creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk You're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. I am your host, Andy J. Today on the show, I want to talk about a subject that I am just endlessly fascinated by. And it's this question of why do we love the art that we love. You know, as an artist, that's a question you probably are wrestling with pretty frequently because you want to make stuff that you would love, that's a gift to your audience. And, you know, social psychologists tell us that it's something about putting in the 10,000 hours. It's the skill acquisition that makes the artist. And, you know, we did part one of this show a couple weeks ago, and it was all about skill acquisition. I'm down for learning new things as an artist, but I don't think, I'm not convinced that that is the secret sauce. Because, you know, some of my all-time favorite songs were written by, you know, people like Connor Oberst, who only couldn't possibly have put in 10,000 hours when he was writing these songs as a teenager. And you're like, there's something else going on here. And every so often, we see one of these artists have this massive breakthrough and the entire industry around them just becomes like a fun house of mirrored images that are just kind of distorted versions of what they were doing. You know, when Wes Anderson was really big in the early 2000s, everything started feeling like Wes Anderson and Bob Dylan was the same and Michael Jackson had a million imitators and changed the industry. My personal favorite was I grew up listening to probably more than anything else, Boys to Men. Like, I'm probably more familiar with their back catalog than any uh, any other musicians. And, you know, when they started crushing the charts and breaking through all of the records, all of a sudden, you had all these funhouse mirror versions of Boys to Men, like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and 98 Degrees. And look, I strongly feel that the funhouse mirror period of your creative journey is pretty much essential, and I am suspicious of anybody that really disagrees with that. I think you have to kind of go through being a product of your influences, but at some point, in my experience, that funhouse mirror is going to become a ceiling. And you're going to be also competing with 25 other distorted versions of the same thing. And so when you're in that place, how do you break through? What is the essential piece that takes it to the next level? In today's episode, we're going to talk about just that. (laughs) 
So we got our first factor meals and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef crafted dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low calorie. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. So how do you get to a place where you're making the kind of art that people love that you would love if you yourself was consuming it? How do you get from making going from making stuff that's just a reflection of what everybody else is doing, what's popular, you know, a cheap imitation to something that has life in a soul and breathes and and moves people and stirs them up. How do you do that? I think what you have to do, the first thing you have to do is you have to take a break from working on the mirrors. Okay. So we talked about this idea that, uh, that uh, most industries are like a fun house of mirrors that all reflect whatever is popular, but just a little bit distorted, a little bit wonky, a little bit of a cheap imitation. And the truth is, I do think that art is, I think all art is a kind of mirror. I don't think you can avoid that. I have this strong belief that really what art is, is just a form of synesthesia. If you're not familiar with this idea, synesthesia is basically the phenomenon of when somebody has a sensory experience that triggers an un, a seemingly unrelated sensory experience. You know, Lord and Kanye West both describe like seeing sound as color. And I think it's just mostly like in their head, like a um, a sensation for me personally. I used to talk about uh, in one of the talks I gave how it was really hard for me to do math because math, uh, because numbers have personalities to me. And so I'd be trying to be like doing my times tables and I'd be like seven times four. And I'm like, wow, hmm, seven, you got this guy. He's confident, self-assured. Four is just trying to prove himself. And I'm like, and they're like, all right, time's up. And you're like, wait a second. I haven't even figured out where this story's going. Um, and, and I had several people come to me and be like, Hey, by the way, giving, having personalities associated with numbers is a type of synesthesia. So I have some kind of a lame type, actually. I don't really know what to do with that. Definitely doesn't make me make super crazy pop hits or anything, but that's the idea of synesthesia. Okay. It's like associating a smell with a color and a color with a sound. And you know, everybody, all people that have that have all these different versions of it. But I personally think that all art is kind of just a synesthesia of something else. You know, dance is just how music looks. 
you know, music is often just an expression of a feeling and a synesthesia of this is what this feeling sounds like. You know, a story, I personally believe that a great story is kind of a synesthesia for truth. Illustration is how this article looks. If you could see this article as a picture, that's what the illustration is. That's the synesthesia for the article. So I think great art ultimately is a synesthesia for you. It is a manifestation of if you could see my soul as a picture, it would be this painting. It would be this song. It would be this story, even if it's fiction, even if it's nonfiction, whatever it is, it's always somehow taking you and all your glory and the consciousness and the soul and the mind, body, spirit, and somehow putting it onto the page. That's a synesthetic leap. And the better you are at reflecting that, the greater the art is. You know, good art, I think a lot of good art and a lot of bad art, it's just a reflection of a reflection and maybe it's capturing something in a different light, and that's that's great, but it's not going to reach that next level until it is some kind of synesthetic experience of your truth and your experience and your story. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you want to improve that work, I think you need to not just work on the reflection, but actually go back to the source which is you. You know, the first time I started thinking about this was when I met background designer for Adventure Time, Go Shrimp, a.k.a. Dan Bandit. He brought me out. He does this summer camp with illustrators. He brought me out to talk to the group and uh, go camp out there, totally out of my element. And I interviewed him for an early episode of the podcast, one of the really popular ones, which you can find if you go sign up to the newsletter, creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter, you get access to all the old episodes. You can go find it back in there. And uh, he told me that he realized that your art is a direct product of you. If you want your art to be completely original, you have to be original. You have to live an original life because that's where it comes from. You are the source material. And so he started making all these crazy decisions like, I'm going to build a cabin out in the middle of nowhere in the winter with just me and my dog. And I'm going to do my illustration out there and I'm going to build this fort. And that made him the perfect person to go on and design the fort for the show Adventure Time for Jake and Finn, a dog and its best friend. And, and it just blew my mind. And so when I start thinking about how do you break through, how do you get to that level how do you, how does someone like Michael Jackson just transcend beyond all the competition in ways that nobody else has even thought of doing? I start thinking like maybe it's not by working harder on the art, but instead working harder on the source material. Like what if Michael Jackson's weird transcendent work wasn't from crafting weirder and weirder reflections, but instead starting with the person in the reflection of the art. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the man in the mirror. If you want to make your art a better place, you got to take a look at yourself and make the change. Like there is no disconnection from the art and you. 
And so if you want to take your work to the next level, I think, yeah, start with getting some skill, but then dive into you, dive into your story. And in part two of the Creative Zero to Hero series, we're going to talk about that. We're going to go through a bunch of story prompts to dig into yourself and, and, and make yourself deeper and more interesting. Because if you are, your reflection will be, your art will be. And so we're going to go through number number one on our journey is skills. Number two is story. In the following weeks, we're going to go through number three, style, four, setting, five, psychology, six, say something. But for now, let's go into a bunch of story prompts that can help tease out new reflections in your work. Let's go. Okay, so for the first story prompt, and by the way, look, the, the first one's going to come from a memoirist. We're talking about your story, and I just get this feeling that some creators, if they're musicians or, you know, maybe they write fiction, they're like, look, man, I don't write memoir. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of like saying, I don't like tomatoes. Yeah, but you like ketchup. Okay. Where do you think it comes from? You like pizza. You like tomato soup, don't you? Guess what? It's all tomatoes. And the same goes for art. It's all tomatoes. It's all coming from you, your story, your experiences, your truths, your beliefs, your ideas. It is all a reflection of you. And I think for me personally, doing this podcast was one of the biggest creative breakthrough exercises that I've ever done because I continually showed up and tried to explain myself and tell my story and then illustrate it with the episode art. And even though the episode art rarely featured anything that looked directly like me or came directly from my story, they were all squeezed from the same tomatoes. And so I, I want to challenge you to get into your story, whether you use it directly or not, whether you're making, you know, just biting into a fresh heirloom tomato, or if you're making a delicious pizza, it all comes back to the same ingredients. Okay. The first one is smell. Okay. Do you have a memory that is attached to a particular smell? You know, your smell is supposedly the sense that you have that is most directly related to your memories. And you can smell something and then instantly be transported back to a time and place. I first heard of this story prompt from Mike Berbiglia on his podcast. He got it from memoirist Mary Carr, who's also wrote a book called The Art of the Memoir and even has a Skillshare class about memoirs. And I've been digging into her work and I just absolutely love her and what she says about writing about yourself and digging into your story. And one of the things that she gives as a prompt is what is a smell that has a particular significant significance from your past? And then write a story about that. Just write that out, write what that memory is. And just to kind of give you an example of how I think this could translate into other synesthetic leaps of creative activity. There's a song that I really love called How to Draw 
slash Petrichor by the 1975. If you don't know, Petrichor is that smell that comes right before it rains. And if you go read about that song, uh, the lead singer talks about how this is the sound of being up too late. Again, a thin aesthetic leap. There is no sound of being up too late. That's, and he said, it's the sound of being young. And I think it's probably also the sound of the smell of <laughs> right before it rains. Petrichor. For me personally, you know, I wrote um, a thing. I've been working on a thing about my grandma because my grandma passed away just about a year ago. And roses, the smell of roses directly remind me of her. And I've been writing this little bit about roses and my grandma. But also, you know, the first picture book I ever made, I made with this independent publisher from Switzerland. And uh, the book's called Something to Believe in. And it's all about the these kinds of leaps. I was wrestling with, I don't even think I realized it, but I was wrestling with beliefs and I was talking about this character who doesn't know what to believe in is going to all these other characters that are telling him, believe in red. And then the next character is like, don't believe in red. That's the color of blood. Believe in blue. And the next character is like, don't believe in blue. Believe like blue is the color of sadness. Believe in yellow. And, you know, again, trying to take one sense and explain it into something else. And so take a smell and just even if you don't write a story, sit there and think about what is a smell from your past that evokes a strong memory and write that down and use that as a prompt for whatever work you make. Okay, number two, the second prompt is just write down three stories that are too close to home for you, that are super personal to you. Recently on the show, we were talking about story and trying to find like, what is your myth? Like, what is the story from childhood that spoke to you deeper than anything else? This is kind of akin to this, but it's a leap off of uh, something I saw on TikTok, which was Vince Staples talking about how his whole album was basically them looking forward into the big blockbuster movies that were coming out in the next year and writing songs based on them so that they could get syncs with those movies, get licensed by those movies. And at first you can kind of be like, oh, that sounds kind of like uh, impure or something. But as a prompt, it's actually super dope because you're not going to pick any movies that don't resonate with you. You're going to pick movies where you're like, Oh, that really makes me think about this in my life. And those stories, like you ever watch a show or a, a movie and you had friends that were like, yeah, it wasn't for me. And you're like, yeah, but there's a reason why this thing hit really hard for me because it's exactly what I lived through. And so write down a few stories that were too close to home. And they'll give you an idea of what your interesting stories are. I am just about to finish a book called A Little Devil in America by Hanif Abdur-Rakib. And it's in one way about black performers and kind of the history of that. But all throughout the book, Hanif is taking those stories that resonated deeply and hit close to home for him and using them as memoir prompts. And it's really, really powerful. For me, the, the thing that came to mind first was, why do I love the superhero, anti-hero 
Venom so much from the Spider-Man series. I've always been obsessed. He's been one of my all-time favorite characters ever since I was watching the 90s Spider-Man show. I'm watching it with my uh, two younger kids right now. We're going through it on Disney+. Plus. All of us have the same favorite in the theme song. It's when the electric guitar really comes in and it's... I don't know if I'm like, you know, breaching copyright there, but I just freaking love it. And man, the Venom episodes, I lived for those. And I thought about why am I so obsessed? And I actually feel like Venom is a great analog for ADHD. And I think everybody has these different parts of themselves where initially you are fighting yourself. You are fighting this thing in your life that seems to have a mind of its own, but things don't get good until you find symbiosis, until you find a synthesis with that part of yourself and you make friends with it and you get on the same team. Or, you know what I'm talking about? That's what ADHD has been like for me. And I get, and I got that. I had that kind of realization partially from watching the Venom movies and being like, look, I have a lot of complaints about these movies, but for some reason they resonate for me and maybe they don't hit home for you because you don't struggle with the same kinds of struggles as me and Tom Hardy. <laughs> but anyway, come up with three stories that hit close to home for you and let those tease out some of your story. All right, number three is one uh, we've talked about a lot on this show, but I never tire of it, and I always go back to it when I'm stuck for what do I want to talk about on the podcast. I go to this prompt, which is what am I angry about? And this comes from Ryan Johnson, creator of Brick, Brothers Bloom, Looper, a Star Wars movie. He was on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's podcast, Creative Processing, and he talked about how all of his screen plays, he could only get through them if he was like angry about what he was writing about. And I think that sounds weird for creators in a way uh, because we're supposed to do it for the love of things. But, you know, we've talked about on this show before how anger is a secondary emotion. It's, it's something bubbling up from within you. And I think one of the reasons why it's such a good prompt is I think anger is something that you feel like you know about, like you're sure about it. That's why you're angry about it. You know, for me personally, what makes me angry? I started thinking about what really makes me angry? What do I get really frustrated about? You know, one of the primary things is untapped potential. You know, I have people in my life where I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, you are so much more talented than I am. And, and yet you, you know, you have the fixed mindset or you want it to be a hit or you feel like it should be easy or, you know, what are all these other things that we talk about on this show and that I tell in my stories, either on stage or in books, like it's the stuff that makes me angry. And I think it's also interesting. Ryan Johnson talks about um, how it's anger about stuff about yourself you know, I really believe that the things that you're most angry about in other people are often a projection of what you're most frustrated by in yourself. And the people that have really got to you, I think sometimes they are the lesson to overcome that person's weaknesses in you. And so what are you angry about? What frustrates you? 
write those things down and, and see what's, don't just take it at surface level. See what is behind that anger. All right, number four, I'm very excited about number four. Number four is the difference between you then and now. This comes from comedian, British comedian, Sarah Milliken. She was on Mike Birbiglia's podcast. We're going to talk about his podcast a lot today because he does a lot. He's a story guy, okay? And I learned a lot of story stuff from him. And uh, he had British comedian Sarah Milliken on his show, and, and she was saying that, her next series, her next special rather, is about the difference between her now and her as a kid because there's just huge, huge differences. And I thought, man, this is such a good prompt because what a story essentially is, is how a character changes. It's about the growth or change of a character. And 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 so your story is how did you change? If you try to, if you look at yourself when you were a kid or you look at yourself 10 years ago and you think, what are the major differences? Just start with that and then start to think, how did that difference come about? That is your story. It reminds me of, we've talked about Spider-Man already, but the recent Spider-Man, I feel like it's built on how the culture in some ways has kind of been wrestling with the idea of redemptive violence. So it's a cultural change in how Spider-Man from 15 years ago versus now might handle a villain differently. If, if you haven't seen, I don't think that any of that spoilers. It's just about like redemptive violence and wrestling with that. And what does that mean? But also in terms of people like Matisse or uh, Phil Hansen, you know, Phil Hansen, is this artist known for this massive TED talk called Embrace the Shake. And the idea is, you know, he would do these really elaborate photorealistic drawings, but he did so many of them that he started to develop kind of tremors in his hand and he would fight against them. And then eventually he learned to embrace that change, to let his drawings just be shaky as part of their style. Matisse has a similar story. You know, the things that Matisse is most remembered for now, the cutouts that he did were all a result of having to change up how he approached things because of an illness, because he couldn't do the work that he used to do. You know, sometimes for me, I think, you know, when we think of these giant style changes, we think philosophically and we think this is the answer. This is the next step. I've tried to kind of lean away from that in my own style uh, changes and just kind of embrace the explorations. Like maybe this period of time in my life is a direct result of just having less time and what I could do with it. You know, maybe it's a result of a change in my life that I didn't want. You know, what are those changes how can you lean into them? That's how you can embed your experience and your story into your work. You know, when I think of myself at 18 versus now, one of the biggest ones, you're not going to believe this for longtime listeners, is the understanding of the hero's journey. You know, for me personally, a huge part of my story and a huge part of my work, you know, as I was doing this podcast and I was trying to explain to all of you why the hero's journey helped me embrace a growth mindset and change how I approached my practice, not trying to 
fix things overnight, not getting discouraged by conflict. As I'm explaining that to you, making episodes about that, then I'm drawing that for the episode art. And all of a sudden, looking back, there's like, you know, 30 pieces where there's an actual journey, an actual path through the work. And on the surface, that might seem like it's shallow. Okay, you got a little trail in your drawings, Andy. Cool. But underneath that is just the tip of the iceberg. There's all this depth because it's about my story. It's about how I changed. And the amount of client work that I have got that is about a journey that needs a trail is ridiculous. And I'm happy to do it. I could do it all day and night. You know, I think about Wes Anderson doing so many movies about this problematic dad. And I think, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of artists that talk about you only really have one story. And you're just like trying to show it from a bunch of different angles. Now I can draw more things and things with just trails in them, but I don't know if I'll ever get sick of it. Because to me, there's a truth and there's an authenticity and there's a and there's a story there because the journey, that mindset changed who I am and therefore it is my story to tell. And so start with, how are you different? And then think, what made you different? What changed you? That is your story and create from that place. All right, number five is what are the surprises from your life? What are the things that have happened to you that just happen happened to many other people? Those are your stories. Ira Glass, we talk about how for him to consider a story for his radio show, This American Life, it has to contain a surprise. And I've kind of decided that a story is a promise of a surprise. You know, I think that if someone starts talking and you don't get a surprise from their series of events, you are unsatisfied. You're like, why is this different than any other day? Why is this worth remarking on? That's not a story. Story expert Brian McDonald say, if you wake up and get your coffee and you get in your car and you go to work and, and nothing out of the ordinary happens, that is not a story that you go home and tell your spouse because it's not a story. And I'm a big believer, like stories have surprises. So what are the things that happened to you that didn't happen to other people? You know, I think about a lot of art is a surprise. It's taking a surprise and transmutating it, synthesizing it into a piece of work. I think about the song Lola by the Kinks, which was definitely ahead of its time at the time, but now is pretty dated in the way that it deals with this topic of trans people, but at the time it was this huge challenging thing to the culture and it ends in a completely surprising way. And it came from a personal experience with the lyricist's manager that the manager had had. It was a surprise from real life. I think about Mike Birbiglia on This American Life telling the story of his sleep disorder and how he jumped out of a two-story window while he was asleep at a hotel. That was what got him on This American Life and kicked off his career. It was this surprising event, something that happened in his life that doesn't happen in many people's lives. There's very few people that have in their sleep jumped out of a second floor window at La Quinta Inn. 
you know, I think about the song John Wayne Gacy Jr. by Sufjan Stevens. And this whole thing is about this horrible person and these things that they did. But the last line is the singer comparing himself to that horrible person, you know, this surprise ending. And so for me personally, I had a surprise recently. I went and uh, I've been working with a personal trainer and his name is actually Andy J. Berger. Now it's B-E-R-G-E-R, but it's still completely and utterly ridiculous. But, uh, you know, for me personally, there's all these other times that I was surprised. I think about the first time I heard anything about quantum physics and just how it blew my mind. A lot of that feeling, that surprise is where my invisible things project came from of like, there's a whole invisible world and, you know, illustrating and, uh, and, and anthropomorphizing dark matter, things like that. That's where that project came from. So what were the surprising moments in your life? Those are your stories. We're going to do ads a little bit differently. I thought we'd just bake them into this episode. So number six is what was the number one song of the week that you turned 13? This comes from Ashley C. Ford's Skillshare class. If you don't know, we are sponsored happily by Skillshare. We have three Skillshare classes that we are super proud of. We love the whole company and we and we love all the classes on there. One of the classes that I found that really spoke to me was Ashley C. Ford's Creative Personal Writing, Write the Real You. One of the prompts that she gives is start by writing about the number one song that that turned number one when you were 13, the week of your 13th birthday. For me, it was Wild Wild West by Will Smith and Cisco. This is like at the height of Will Smith after Independence Day, after Men in Black, and then Wild Wild West. It can't lose. It's got this huge hit song that I think is like a kind of play off of a Stevie Wonder song. And Cisco just had the thong song. And we were obsessed with I love this freaking song, only to find out that Wild Wild West didn't quite live up to the hype. And so if I was writing about that, I'd probably go into like just all the different creative things of, of what goes into a wrong turn (laughs) and doing something like wild, wild west. But you can go learn about creative personal writing, writing the real you at skillshare.com slash creative pep for a free trial and get started doing that. You know, it also reminds me of Taika Waititi, you know, getting the job to do Thor Ragnarok from this sizzle reel of all these clips set to the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. And you hear Taika talking about how that song just feels like a road trip. It just feels like a bunch of people in a van on a mission and that that's what he was trying to make Ragnarok into, you know, Hulk and Loki. Thor and Valkyrie, they're all on this massive road trip. (laughs) And he thought that song, like you could just feel the personal relationship to that song in the, in the movie, in the trailer, in that song. 
And so what does that song do for you? I was, I thought, you know, it sounds like a fun prompt. And then when you actually go find what the number one song was, just go Google it for your birthday when you turn 13, you are going to have a bunch of crazy associations with this. It's going to be a gold mine. Another one from Mike Birbiglia's podcast, Working It Out. He always asks his guests, to go back to a story loop that gets caught in their brain all the time that's not even really a story. It's just something that happened to them that they think about all the time and there's no real reason why. For me, what comes to mind is when I went to visit my mom when she was living on the coast in Virginia. She lived near the ocean a friend told me that if you get up really early and you go out right here on the beach, you're going to see like hundreds of these little black crabs. And I remember one time like setting an alarm, getting up like at 5 a.m., running out there and just seeing hundreds of these crabs. And there's nothing, there's no other, there's no surprise. It's not really a story. It's just a little loop in my brain. And I actually went to Storyblocks, our sponsor, storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk, went to see if they had any stock footage of crabs like the ones that I saw back then. And they did. And it was actually kind of uh, emotional to see that. And so maybe you have a, uh, a story loop in your mind and there's some little video you can watch on Storyblocks that'll kind of bring that to life in a new way. There's tons, there's over 1 million assets on Storyblocks, royalty-free audio, video, level up your video game, storyblocks.com slash creative pep talk. But seriously, almost every time in the episodes of Mike Berbiglia's podcast, when he asks this and he's asking for something that is a loop, a memory that is not really a story, it almost always goes from a story loop to a story block, a block of a chunk that actually has a story to it. And so I think that um, instead of like racking your brain for what are the surprises, what are the changes, like these huge things, just try to zoom in on something that you can't forget and then try to think about like, you know, what was going on then? What's associated with with that? What are the surprises and changes that were going on then? You might even find that loop turn into a little block. Okay, number eight is write about your best day ever. Now this prompt comes from the show Made, M-A-I-D. It's a show on Netflix that... Um, I just absolutely loved, even though it was incredibly difficult to watch. I do a lot of memoir-esque material, a lot of personal writing um, through comics on Instagram and, and on, on stage with talks and on this podcast. And I've told you a lot about my mom. If you ever like were wondering, what, what is his mom like? Go, go watch the show Made because goodness gracious Andy McDowell plays uh, the grandma in that show um, to the, the mom of the main character. And I've never, ever, ever seen a character that was so much like my mother. It made it incredibly difficult to watch. And it's also based on a true story. It's based on memoir material that was first a book. And it was just super incredible. Highly recommend it. It is pretty intense. There's mental health stuff. There's there's abuse. There's all kinds of stuff in there. But uh, the main character is a writer, and 
one of the prompts that they do when she's in like a, a, a home for abused women is they do this writing class and she says, you know, write about your best day ever, either a real event or an imagined one. I started thinking about this and I don't know if it was just me thinking about Virginia and the crabs on the beach or what, but the best memory I could think of the best day was out on the Jersey coast with my wife and kids reading a book that's kind of about a crab um, called The Hike, one of my all-time favorite books. I was just getting into that for the first time. Didn't even know I was going to love it so much. And I'm sat by my wife who is totally feeling relaxed and happy. And my kids just love the beach and they can be there for hours just doing nothing, just running in and out of the tide and making sandcastles and all that kind of thing. And I, and I thought like, what is it about that day and that time that just feels so incredible? And it got me into digging into a layer that I, I, I'm going to make some creative work about, which is like, there's just nothing more satisfying on the planet than the sound of your kids being happy. Like there's something so uh, probably like evolutionarily satisfying of like, ah, I've done it. Like I can sit in the presence of my kids. I can't, I have worked really hard to be a good dad. I don't think I'm a great dad. I get aggravated and I get tired and I get sick of it and all that, just like any other dad. But man, when I, I will turn off my music, I will turn off my podcast. If one of my kids is playing nearby and, and just the sound of their joy is the most satisfying sound ever and and probably that moment on the beach is the longest I can remember them in that zone and uh and it just it just brought up all these new layers so what was the best day you ever had and what does it tell you about what you care about and what your values are and what matters to you and who you are as a person Last one, number nine, is what have you survived? This question comes from one of my favorite story experts, Brian McDonald. His podcast with Jesse Bryan called You Are a Storyteller is on our, our uh, podcast network. Highly recommend that. I recommend Brian's book on story, Invisible Inc., one of my favorite books on story if you're trying to dive in. He would say, if you're trying to find your story, ask yourself, what have you survived? Because for Brian, story is the passing on of survival information. And that can be physical survival, but it also more often is emotional, spiritual, social survival. And he would say like, he thinks like evolutionarily, we, we learn to tell stories to pass on information. You know, we tell, when kids tell the story of, yeah, if you sled this way and you hit a tree like this kid did and you black out and you go home and you don't go to the hospital, you can actually die like this kid did. You know, kids are always telling stories like that. And you might think it's like, oh, just a juicy story, but in it, there's survival information. And I would agree that a, a lot of great stories have these kind of survival ideas. For me personally, you know, surviving ADHD, surviving growing up with a parent 
that had undiagnosed mental health things. Um, those are my stories. You know, it's my story of surviving, failing on my first big creative job with Nickelodeon. That's one of my stories. So what are the things that you have survived? You're going to have this super rich firsthand knowledge. It's going to make the thing reflected in your art so much richer. And it makes me think about movies like Soul, you know, Soul, co-written by Pete Docter and Kemp Powers. Kemp Powers talks about, you know, he also wrote the play One Night in Miami, which also became a movie. And like the main character in Soul, Kemp actually had this like near-death experience right before his big creative break. And he remember feeling in the hospital, like if I die right now, it's like I wasn't even ever here. I didn't make any mark. I didn't achieve anything that I set out to do. And so as they were writing soul, he was like, when the main character experiences this near death experience, like he's like, no, we got to go back to the animation. He's not fighting hard enough. He's not, he's not experiencing that feeling like I experienced it. And he could only write that. He could only make that because it came directly from his life experience. And the same goes for Pete Doctor. You know, for him, having a loved one pass and, and getting in touch with what is life all about. You know, having reached the pinnacle of success, like getting best animated feature with Inside Out and not feeling completely fulfilled. That is where this movie came from, from his story. And I knew that when I wanted to talk about this movie, and I know I'm going to have a really hard time saying this part <clears throat> without crying. Um, but, uh, you know, this movie was a friend of mine's favorite movie. I remember him saying that. Ade Hogue, who um, passed away in, um, he died in October um, last year, he loved this movie. He knew some of the criticism that, um, people had about the movie as a, a, a movie about a black person. And, um, he was aware of that and he, he understood that. I remember him talking about that, but feeling like this movie just changed his life. And I really got to see firsthand that happen because I'm not going to give you any spoilers about the movie soul, but it's really about how, your passion isn't your whole purpose. And, you know, being um, part of the agency that was repping Ade uh, over the past couple of years, I got to watch him just wrestle with design, not being everything that he thought it was going to be, like not making him fully happy. You know, this passion for design ended up leaving him not feeling as much purpose as he thought it was going to. And I watched him kind of, um, we had him on the pot. The last time we had him on the podcast, he was kind of right in the thick of that, of burnout and feeling kind of like, what, what's even the point? I'm not sure. I thought this was going to be the answer and all that kind of stuff. And then watching him find cycling and find the community there and find the purpose in his relationships and how it put design in, a, in its place and in a new light. And he started to enjoy design again. And there's part of me that feels like, um, like it's really tragic that um, he had found this new groove in this uh, 
it's this incredible new le uh, lease on life and in his work and in his, his uh, work-life balance. And, and that just not too long after that, he was, um, you know, taken. And that is really tragic. But there's another part of me that feels like a sense of peace that he got to experience in real time what we're talking about on this show. Um, you know, in this episode, Pete Doctor on his appearance on Fresh Air talking about this movie, he said that, you know, in its best incarnation, something like music or storytelling or film is, is at its best when it connects you to life, not when it exalts itself, you know, like, uh, and, and I am very grateful to have known that my friend got that and was really living it. Um, and it was, uh, it's going to be a reminder to me for the rest of my career. Cause I can get out of balance, getting too obsessed with the reflection rather than the man in the mirror. Um, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I didn't know how to talk about Ade on the show. And so I was kind of waiting for a time where it felt right. And I had some time to grieve and process and, you know, we were really friendly colleagues. We weren't super close best friends or anything, but um, I really did love him. And uh, he's going to be an inspiration to me um, for the rest of my career. And I hope the same is true for you. Of thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme and for our soundtrack, our updated soundtrack, which I really appreciate all the notes. I feel just like you. I feel like, man, um, I've never felt more like myself on this show, and I just am so pumped to be having uh, one of my all-time favorite bands music on this show. It's, a, it's an actual dream come true. College Andy would have been blown away, and almost nobody puts themselves in their work better than Yoni does. Um, go check out the actual songs from the soundtrack with the lyrics and all that at creativepeptalk.com slash music. I would call their music rated R, just, just so you know, it is explicit. Massive thanks to Connor Jones for editing this show so beautifully. Thanks to Katie Chandler, who has been assisting on all things Creative Pep Talk just recently. Katie's an incredible illustrator also. Thanks to Ryan Appleton and Sophie Miller, AKA Sophie Pizza for content assistance, especially this week. Um, been working on this one for a while and had some big breakthroughs because of some great chats. Um, with, and also with my daughter, I have to add in there. Thanks to all of you for listening. And until we speak again, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up. <laughs>